talk about revolution that's going a little bit too far. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal. Hello, and welcome back to another exciting episode of more like The Worst Wing, our podcast where we take a look at Aaron Sorkin's seminal work, The West Wing, from a modern-day leftist socialist 2019 perspective. I am Dave. And I am Stu. And this week, we are looking at the episode entitled Bad Mood Rising. Uh, And this is one of those episodes where they actually name-drop the episode in the episode uh, towards the end of the episode. Uh, but we'll start at the beginning of the episode uh, with our cold open where we are quickly introduced to our new and favorite character who will be dominating uh, most of this episode, Oliver Babish, played by uh, played wonderfully by Oliver Platt. So we mentioned um, we mentioned this last time that it's quite convenient that they just were just like, um, of course, sure, that just was name intentional. Him <laughs> Yeah, that, like it had to be <laughs> like, yeah, uh, it'll be easier for for Mr. Platt, you know, if the characters just name the same. Um, like, that's the only reason I could come up with for yeah. them doing that. Uh, so he is doing what is quickly becoming this show's favorite cliche, which is planning to go on vacation. Uh, and the, the, the harder and more vocally you plan your vacation on the West Wing, the greater the odds that your vacation will be interrupted by, uh, by work. Uh, which is, of course, exactly what happens here. His assistants are trying to get him out the door, back home, so he can, like, sleep for a few hours before his flight to Borneo, uh, where he's going to some law conference kind of thing, and he he looks all disheveled because he's been up all night. Um, And meanwhile, at the same time, the president uh, is making plans to go meet with him to talk to him about the whole MS conspiracy thing. Um... There's a great great little bit here Sorkin does where he'll set up a joke a good, like, two minutes or so before he actually deploys it, which is kind of rare to see in, like, particularly in TV comedy, I feel. Uh, jokes are pretty immediate, like, set-up payoff, usually. And occasionally they'll bring back, like, something, you know, from earlier. Uh, but here, so, well, here what we, I'm talking about... I think we commented on, on an earlier episode where it happened once and i can't remember which one but it, there right. was like this is a this is a specifically like a sorkin thing he'll yeah he'll sort of obviously dangle it out there and then wait for us to forget about it and then bring it back right and he he makes an initial joke so the thing we're talking about here is um mr babish who is white house counsel senior lawyer essentially for the white house uh it says i need a new dictaphone uh for my for my trip this is pre-smartphone era where I assume now dictaphones are probably just an <laughs> Absolutely. app. Absolutely. I have to assume. Uh, uh, but he's like, I need a new dictaphone. And, he's, and they're like, what the hell's wrong with the one that's on your desk right there? And he's like, it's stuck on record. So, you know, we no problem with that being in the White House Counsel's office. We've never had a problem with that kind of thing before. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, Nixon so reference. So you think that's you think that's the kind of joke right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then a couple minutes later when Bartlett has come in to interrupt his vacation. Um, and here, we'll just play the clip here where Bartlett explains why he's there. Is this something you'd like to... Uh... It's really not even... I don't want you to worry that much about it. Sir. I'm easing in. Okay. Well, Oliver, 
It really boils down to this. I'm going to tell you a story, and then I need you to tell me whether or not I've engaged 16 people in a massive criminal conspiracy to defraud the public in order to win a presidential election. Okay. <laughs> and then the smashing sound is, is Oliver Babish picking up his, uh, as he puts it, his big hammer, uh, <laughs> which is a gavel given to him by, like, some famous judge, uh, and smashing the dictaphone uh, violently and comedic perfectly comedically timed. There's another great comedic timing moment also where, like, literally he's walking, like, out of camera frame when he gets the news that, oh, the president's coming down for you, and there's just, like, a nice beat. Uh, like a kind of a sigh moment and <laughs> yeah. then he just kind of pivots 180 and walks right back into the office uh and it's really well done by platt um and so this, i'm just saying that the cold open works really well as like so sort of this self-contained scene uh and then we uh will right after the credits we start digging right into the whole uh plot itself um so let's take a quick break and then we can uh, we can start digging into the meat of the episode. first shot we get out of the credit sequence is um, it's another sort of a Teladonna experience where there's Josh and Donna are walking through the, the West Wing and Josh is like, oh, my God, there's this crisis that's right. happening. It, they're kind of in all hands on deck panic mode um, yeah. in this initial uh, post credit scene. And we quickly find out that it's um, related to the Mexican economy apparently shitting the bed mm-hmm. overnight. And we don't really For find completely out unspecified why. reasons. Yes. yes, we don't find out why, but we do get an opportunity to like cram as many sort of neoliberal buzzwords into this Teladonna explainer, which really doesn't explain anything because A, like Sorkin clearly doesn't know what the fuck he's talking <laughs> about. And B, all oh, this shit is garbage anyway. So this is actually it isn't a particularly salient point of the episode, but we get a lot of time spent going back and forth because Donna, the perspective that is put in her mouth during this discussion is one of like the bullshit regressive American, oh, my taxes, my tax dollars going overseas type of argument because the, like the, the continuation of this plot is, the West Wing staff establishing a policy response basically to underwrite a loan that will bail out the illiquid part of the Mexican economy as a result right. of their currency devaluation. 30, bil- 30 billion dollars is the total. And um, and so Donna is like, why are you sending my money to Mexico? And it's it's stupid. And it just kind of gives Josh and her reasons to kind of bounce off each other. They have a little fun with like, oh, this this you know man who makes twelve dollars an hour as a textile worker called and said, why are you sending his money to Mexico? And then Josh counters with, well, Germany in nineteen thirty nine, or sorry, U- UK and France and and everyone else called from nineteen thirty nine, saying uh, we got a whole problem with this Germany situation, <laughs> uh, but we're gonna just gonna be isolationists and not give a shit about any other country. Yeah, so he he takes the opportunity to like 
get a very august, like, leather-bound textbook and dramatically <laughs> hand it to oh, Donna yeah. and be like, open this page to my little sticky note that references the Lend-Lease from And she's like, okay, cool, thanks for, like, the explainer. Anyway, money's fucking fake. We do things by political will, not by currency. Right. <laughs> yeah, none of this fucking matters anyway. <laughs> so, um... What's interesting, though, is that Toby comes in late, and he's more irrational and upset than normal, uh, and the show plays it plays it off as, or Toby, the character, plays it off as like, well, you know, we just need to be ready for stuff, but the show is clearly telling us that he is, like, super shaken up still from the news of the MS reveal, um, and the fact that now he must keep it a secret. Uh, from the rest of the staff, and it's it's clearly getting to him, because he is like super upset and fragile <laughs> this whole episode, and he goes even more off, so than normal, right? Exactly, even more so than, <laughs> than normally Toby is, and he goes off on CJ because there's a leak about some voucher program, uh, bill or something like that. You know, a, a standard leak that basically happens all the time, which you know CJ will sum up at the end of the episode by saying like this kind of stuff happens all the time and we never catch the leaker, or whatever, but because Toby's in such a bugaboo about the MS stuff, he demands that he's like, yo, you find that leaker, and you put them in my office by the end of the day, so I can fire them! You know, like, he's on the warpath, and he's clearly just sort of taking out his anger over the MS situation on sort of CJ and on this leaker. Well, and we also see, like, you get several characters able to interact with him and be like toby what the hell is going on and he's right just they all call him out. and yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and and so i think it's it's obviously it's meant to illustrate alongside with the conversation between leo bartlett and oliver babish to be like this is where it's unraveling like this right. this this yeah, conspiracy yeah. i guess is, is kind bad, of coming bad down. moon rising is a appropriate title as every everyone starts to realize like oh we're 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 true and proper fucked here, aren't we? <laughs> Although again, we do not get any Creedence Clearwater revival. I know. Clearly, we blew all our budget on Oliver Platt instead on, of and on the uh, right someone, someone's going to emergency. Somebody's going to j- <laughs> New, yeah. New York Minute. Uh, <laughs> we blew all our money on that. So and then so our third sort of subplot is Sam's subplot, which is. So they flash back in the uh, in the previously ons to his Gage Whitney oil ship uh, acquisition thing, and oops, those chickens have, uh, as Ainsley says later in the episode, those chickens have come home to roost, as uh, one of those shitty ships that he helped that company buy uh, has crashed straight into Delaware. <laughs> and uh, oh, is, no, leaking Rehoboth Beach. <laughs> is leaking 200,000 gallons of oil uh, out onto Delaware's uh, verdant <laughs> shores? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> I have never been to Delaware. <laughs> I, I was in Delaware and it actually exists, but... Uh, you know, did I you did see the beaches? I did not, and therefore I choose to believe they aren't real. <laughs> So this sort of it, it engenders some more interaction between Sam and Ainsley because he goes to I guess solicit advice or we just get to another shot of the steam pipe trunk, trunk distribution, distribution venue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and so which they talk Ainsley a has bit. redecorated. They talk a little bit, and it gets very close to like 
they're talking about it, and Ainsley quickly figures out what he's talking about, and it's just like, shut up, Sam. Shut it down. You're going to break your own goddamn confidentiality agreement right, if you and say basically, anything else. Yeah, and Sam is trying to kind of pull, like, the ultimate goody-goody move here of, like, who cares if I get disbarred? Let me go testify against this shitty company anyway, because they should get fined $500 million so that they really know how bad they fucked up. And, like, he's right, of course, uh, but then she accurately points out that no judge in the entire fucking country is going to be willing to hear testimony that breaks attorney-client privilege, uh, and he would just be getting himself disbarred for nothing. Yeah, and it really, again, it doesn't really go anywhere. We don't right. hear much more about it. Yep, uh, we're not, and nor will we. Um, I think we may might get a reference later on to what happened here, but uh, I would like to point out that uh, at one point Sam brings in this like really cute uh, naval officer to talk to, and it's like it feels so weird and arbitrary. Weird and yeah, like why this issue, this thing? Because it almost it. So this is where the writing actually kind of becomes a little incoherent because. Bringing in a guest star, like, never mind one with several lines, mm-hmm. leads you to believe that this it's gonna particular be issue thing. is going to be a big thing. Right. And sure enough, nothing fucking happens. Right. Nor, nor I, will it. I'm nor pretty sure. It. I don't like, think so. We're not going to see her again or anything. But I just, like, you know, like, I don't know. Rob Lowe's hot. Stick another hot person in the room with him. That'll make good TV. <laughs> like Sorkin wanted to like learn everybody some trivia about huge shipping. Yeah, and, <laughs> and also about the fact that military people have to wear their dress uniforms when visiting the White House because they drop that little tidbit of tidbit. trivia on yeah. us uh, when you they're know, when they're talking. That's all right, I guess. And honestly, like all of these little side things, the last one, the last sort of major character thing will hit on before we break and talk about the Leo Bartlett Babish stuff. Charlie ends up deducing from his college applications mm-hmm. that the president is going to get in trouble. Right. He, so because, well, concurrently or, or before Charlie makes the, uh, the discovery, Babish has been, gr- uh, has been grilling, Leo and the president on, all right, have you ever been in any lawsuits where you were under oath? Did you, did you ever say anything under oath about your health uh, that can, you know, be proven that you lied under oath? Because if so, that's the whole ball game, and we're all going home. Uh, and they establish, no, I never lied under oath. It's like, okay, well, did you sign any forms that are under the pain of perjury where you indicated that, you know, you don't have MS? Or whatever. And he's like, no, I never, I I don't have private health insurance because I was a governor for so long and then in Congress and then the president and I've just always been on health care that uh, apparently you never have to sign any forms to, to yeah, use. This, this that must be very, nice. Like, it seems very, um, for for them to, for, again, for for Sorkin to, to focus in on this sort of the risk is in your disclosure Right. type of thing. Well, I think for that's just some... the first level that Babish is, is going well, on. Fine, but my, my point is more that it's like, for, for them to focus in on it, you, you're you the goddamn president of the United States, and you were the governor of a state prior to this. I It's beyond suspension of disbelief 
for him to just conveniently have never ever done these th- like I guess what right. is, what's the timeline of when he got the diagnosis? Was it eight years ago? Six years ago? Uh, it's something around that. Yeah. Okay. And so I mean, I guess maybe in the course of his career, at that juncture, it was it was beyond all that basic disclosure sure. stuff and so you're not obligated to therefore yeah, provide I, that information again i think it actually did kind of work out like naturally well for him in this regard mm-hmm. but the problem is and this is something that babish makes explicit is like it sounds too good leo he did everything right he did you know as he says he's like he did everything that you do if you want to perpetrate a fraud against yeah. the american people <laughs> which i think you is know? one of it's his best line like yeah. is literally like this is why I'm concerned. It is because you have you have you, you've rehearsed this too fucking well. Yeah. Like you've been planning this shit, and the planning of it is the crime. <laughs> like, well, and Frank, and frankly, he's right because yes. I'm sure because I'm sure like the fact that they just roll into his office with this stuff prepped. Of course, they've thought about this. Right. Of course, they've sweated it. And the, you know, they, kept they it said in seventeen people that kept going over like, "I never lied. I never lied. He never lied. He never lied." Like you know, that this is their go-to of like, "No, no, no, we did it all right." And it's like, no, the fact that you're saying we did it right is the problem. Is the That's problem. the crime <laughs> right there that you did yeah. it. <laughs> And like, okay, you know that that's fine, good on y'all. It it works for sort of the dramatic turn, right? In this, and it honestly, but, it it's not important that it gets dug in like that. But again, no. it seems a little tonally. Well, disjunction. I was just, I was just going to. That's all set up just to get back to the fact that so Charlie, when going through his college application forms, realizes that there's a there's a form on there for medical, you know, insurance or what have you that requires a full and complete family medical history and on that form for you know for example for Zoe or even for Ellie as he brings up um they they would have not disclosed the president's MS uh and it requires a parent signature if you're under 18 now an interesting thing that the West Wing wiki page is telling me is that Zoe is not actually a threat for this, uh, because in early season one, Bartlett himself states that Zoe is 19 years old and hasn't yet started college. Hmm. Uh, so she did not require a parent's signature, uh, so she could have signed her own damn form. Uh, but we could we could argue that Ellie might have been under 18 when she started, and then there's the problem. So really, it doesn't matter. But ultimately, this is the smoking gun. Basically, that, you know, there's a signed form out there, and it was signed by Dr. Mrs. Bartlett, uh, not by the president himself, but there's a signed form that says, nope, the president has no major health problems, uh, which is, of course, the big lie that that would break this whole thing out in the open. And, I mean, they make it pretty clear at this point, and it's, I I like the Charlie deduction, like, his Yeah, it's good. His part where he he contacts Leo using the secret passphrase. Yeah, like, that was interesting. This is a to huge me. emergency. That was an interesting that they have a they they had already worked out a code word of like no if you really really fucking need mm-hmm. me I'll give you this code phrase, and like, you know I I don't think Charlie's a guy who reaches out unnecessarily a lot to Leo. I would imagine so I would figure just hey Charlie wants to see you would probably be enough of a red flag. 
Because I don't think yeah. Charlie is the kind of guy who's like, oh, Leo, I just wanted to tell you about the sports scores. Yeah. <laughs> you know? well, I don't know why I made him Italian. Well, you know. <laughs> um, but, like, I think, and it's it's actually quite touching because Leo, clearly, once you invoke his sort of his code word, it's like, this is fucking all hands on deck. Like, right, whatever he I treats it super seriously, which is yeah. nice. Which, which is great. Know. And it's not, it, for once, it's also, it's not condescending. Right, which it, it often, shows the bond and trust between these two characters in a in a good way. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's quite a it's it's rare that you you don't have some sort of weird like sneering down the nose type thing because that's what Sorkin right. does with his powerful characters. Right. So no, they're treating this, they're treating Charlie like an extreme equal here in these yeah. scenes of like, hey, I'm listening <laughs> to what you have to say and respecting it in like. You know, but then I will note for the record that both Leo and Bartlett dismiss him with the exact same phrase of "go back to work." Uh, uh, well, and I, also like the the thing with the president, they sit down just Bartlett and Charlie, oh, yeah. and yeah, and Bartlett like super president dad energy going super on. Super dads here. at him about like son, I don't want you to ever lie on my behalf. Right, never ever lie, and. I just, and then he goes, yes, sir. He's like, no, no, no. Say, I understand. I understand. <laughs> God. It's like, a fucking, it's like a fucking exit road drill on a plane. Like, I need a verbal confirmation. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, he's okay. been, you know what? He's been spending too much time with a lawyer. That, that'll that do it to you. You know, yeah, then you no start wanting co- verbal confirmation on everything. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's. that basically sums up the episode itself. Let's take another quick break. So the bulk of the episode's actual, you know, uh, the the bearing of the drama in the episode is around a three-way conversation slash, frankly, interrogation mm-hmm. between Oliver Babish, the president, and Leo. So basically, actually, as a as a like lawyer prep meeting kind of thing for for choosing to d- defend a client. Yeah. So he he they blow into his office with the the clip that we mentioned earlier where he's like <laughs> we may have been committing a conspiracy um and then it it there's an interesting sort of go round that ends up in this triple dynamic between the three characters where um it is clear and they actually do quite a good job of expressing the fact that the president is not accustomed to being Talk down, not talk down to, not even talk down to, just just come come at from a position of equality, of equality. But like Babish isn't deferring to him, and that's enough to make him like very snippy and like pissed off, uh, just because Babish is not acting super deferential and is you know asking questions in a semi accusatory manner, I guess you could say. But, like, even then, he's not, I wouldn't, you know, this isn't the swingy light bulb thing. You know, he's just asking <laughs> him questions, you know. But I think it's just that Bartlett has, is so unused to being put, you know, in the hot seat, so to speak. Yeah, and there's a very, I mean, and honestly, when I was thinking about it, and and then, frankly, reading something awful, there's like, there's almost like a posting energy about Babbage here where it is, 
it is verging on being uh like facetious and putting on a sarcastic yes. tone yeah, to absolutely. his questions because it's also like I think he deduces or from experience or whatever quite quickly that it's like you you need to go and and prick through this guy's superiority complex immediately right or else, or else you're just gonna you're get just the, gonna get the run around yeah yeah you're just gonna be you know oh we got it under control don't worry about it blah 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 like because that's bartlett's whole energy he's just kind of trying to be dismissive about it um because he thinks he thinks it's either not a problem or he's just sort of in denial about how big a fucking problem it is uh which i yeah. think they're they're trying to portray that and there's a nice moment where they kind of have a break in the deposition and him and Leo get to chat and, uh, and, and, you know, they actually dis- discuss the attitude issue openly where he's like, man, president's kind of acting a little pissy. And Leo's like, well, you're acting a little pissy. He's like, well, <laughs> weren't you pissed off when you found out about it? And Leo's like, yeah, I was. But then I remember that I was a drunk and he was fine with that. So we, here we all are. <laughs> well, and they, he asked specifically like, they they run down the roster again of who actually knows about the diagnosis. And he's like, you said 17, who's the 17th and, or 16. You said, right. who's the 16th. And Leo says, Oh, you know, it's Toby Ziegler. And Babbage is like, the fuck did he find out? You had to tell him. And he's like, yeah, it was like a couple yeah, of like days last ago. Friday. Like, yeah. like How's he taking it? And she's like, about as well as could be expected. <laughs> so yeah. Like, it feels like we should smash cut to Toby just like smashing things in his office or something, which or like just the stereotypical close up with his fingers on his temple, yeah, like, like uh, uh, yeah, or or gripping the ball super tight or what have you. Um, so yeah, so I get it, like, and it's a very good dynamic. And as we said, I can't rave enough about Oliver Platt's acting in the role. Uh, does does a great job of like of having this dynamic with the president where. Not only is he your boss and the president, but also you have to treat him like like a lawyer treats a client who is, you know, a defendant, uh, more specifically, where they have to really, like, kind of interrogate them and, real- and like, look, if you want me to defend you, I have to know everything. Literally everything. Like, everything. Cannot, like, shit, yeah. shit you haven't even possibly thought of. I need to know it. And there's great moments where, you know, at some point Leo's like, so what do you think? And he's like, I am nowhere even fucking close to being able to answer that question, Leo. Like, we have only, I have only done 157 questions. We have 8,000 to go <laughs> like yeah, before like I this... can even make an opinion as to what I'm thinking. Yeah, and I, I, actually, I like that too because he is just quintessential very much like, Lawyer, full disclosure, right. personality type. And right. He is, this is like the idealized lawyer. You know, this is like the idealized West Wing lawyer of, you know, he, he's the country's best lawyer. You know, yeah, and it's, it's the thing where it's like it's ironclad and they write it as such where he's like there there will be no exceptions. Right. To this, even in the case of the president. And clearly that rubs the president and Leo at time like a little the wrong way. But at it's first, like first. Oh, um, yeah, it's like, sorry, you know, here's how, you know, it starts. Like, and then they do a really good thing where they, they kind of, like, build up, uh, if not the trust between uh, Babish and Bartlett, at least a mutual respect between Babish and Bartlett, so that by the end of the episode, Babish is saying, okay, I will defend you, but I gotta lay out the fucking ground rules here. 
and um, it's a, it's actually really good I, I scene I think where he's he lays out the bring it on mentality of like all right we're gonna you're gonna go appoint the fucking worst Republican who hates you the most to be in charge of this fucking investigation and you're gonna agree with whatever they want you know if you want if they want a fucking form you filled out for Zoe's kindergarten you give it to them if they want you to go fly down to Tennessee to fucking give deposition you're on the next plane you know that kind of thing and like and Bartlett kind of kind of gets it of like okay well this is this is the path we have to take and if this is the path we're taking then I want you with with me on this path yeah and even even in the end of the episode sort of it's you see Bartlett struggling to be like, this is the first time in my life that I've been, I've been subject to this sort of treatment. Not necessarily as an equal, but like as a, like, this is something that I have to do that I don't necessarily agree with. Right. Like as Uh, president, what's the last, you know, he has to do a lot of stuff that like he, you know, doesn't quote unquote want to do, but rarely does he have to actually like do something that makes him this uncomfortable. So I think this is just sort of the first time he's he's been so forced out of his comfort zone in so long that it's like alien to him almost. Yeah, like the I think that the like the submit to somebody else's authority because exactly like there are there are like four or five word lines that Bartlett gets to deliver throughout the series that is literally just like, well, shut up, I'm the president, right? Like you're gonna do this because I'm the president because I'm God, (laughs) I'm God, I'm God King Dad. And it is nice. It is nice that we get a little bit of a role reversal here, where that goes out the fucking window. Right, where Babish is, is saying, "I'm the one laying down the rules, and you're gonna fucking agree to them." Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a it's a nice shift of the power dynamic, um, and it's really good. Well, and I think the um, it again. So I I mentioned this earlier, and I was gonna try to piggyback off on it, but I haven't really my my thoughts around it haven't cohered. Like the level of disclosure. And public um, information. This is almost like this happens every day. You know, right. in the United States, it's like you have a certain threshold and privacy rights that you have to agree to. But at the same time, um, you know, we need to know certain things. And I'm now that I think about it more, I'm positive this is piggybacking off of the fucking Bill Clinton impeachment. Uh. The, the, fever that was coming out a little out bit of just kind of the, the legal pressure and all that kind of thing yeah definitely. well i just think as a as an institution that that was a i mean that was a landmark in american history whereas like well is is the president's morality really our concern right and the and, fr- and you know, frankly and they got him on a technicality of lying under oath about an affair you know not about any government business about personal business. Yeah, and know? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm being a little hyperbolic because obviously political figures have always been subject to, you know, moralizing and of course. being called the fucking devil or whatever right. of course. in the past. But I think the I think the legalistic tone that the show takes on it is, is heavily informed by like the Gingrich sure, Congress. Yeah, and like the Ken Starr investigation. And the, the, yeah, Ken Ken the, yeah, the Ken, Ken Starr Star look. Yeah. Yeah, I always get him and Ken Burns, the documentary <laughs> documentary guy, mixed up. And I'm like, no, wait, Ken Burns isn't an asshole who went after Bill Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> That's Ken Star. Sex predator, Ken Star. <laughs> um, yeah, and then so yeah, uh, Charlie Dule Hill as Charlie does some really good 
acting here. I think he he sells the Eureka moment a lot better than like Toby did um, for for yeah. figuring out the MS thing. Uh, and so yeah, he uh, so uh, as I said earlier, he puts to a lie the the title of the episode seventeen people because oops, turns out it was eighteen people. Because uh, yeah. Charlie knew. Charlie Zo- knew. Because Zoe told him. Because Zoe uh, said gave him some signs to look for to see if the president was having an attack, so that sh- Charlie could then inform, you know, Doctor Bartlett, and she could probably treat him or what have you. Which, which is interesting because at that point it, it fucking cements the fact that they've been. Con- oh, like, absolutely! Hundred percent. Like, yeah, like, that becomes explicit. Right. Here, so. here is literally the conspiracy in action, where one yeah. member of the conspiracy is bringing another in to help the conspiracy uh, yeah. continue. Yeah. So yeah, they're guilty as shit uh, of 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 this. But again, it is sort of a. You know, guilty of what? Hiding a medical diagnosis? Is that a crime? No, not mm-hmm. technically. But lying under oath is a crime. So you're right. It's definitely the. It's definitely channeling that Clinton uh, impeachment energy. Um, absolutely. And as always, it comes off as very quaint in fucking 2019, where right, <laughs> this is so adorable. A goddamn rapist. Yeah, this and, is adorable. In in like, in contrast uh, to uh, our our nightmare hell world of president. Um, yep. Yeah. So on that lovely note, let's take a break <laughs> and then, uh, we'll come back and we'll wrap up this particular yeah! episode. And so that does it for this particular episode of The Worst Wing. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening. We always appreciate any comments, feedback, etc. in the thread. If you found us some other way, welcome. Thank you. Uh, you can always drop us an email at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Nice. And uh, next week's episode is entitled The Fall's Gonna Kill You. Uh, and it just picks right back up with Babish uh, grilling other staff members about the MS scandal, um, including uh, Mrs. Dr. Bartlett. Um, so Stalker Channing comes back, and I remember um, even before having watched this that her and Babish um, have really good scenes together, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, meanwhile, Sam learns something about a lowered surplus estimate, blah, blah, blah. Josh seeks uh, funds to support the overwhelmed Justice Department in its prosecution of Big Tobacco. Uh, and Donna is concerned about the earthfall of a, fa- a failing Chinese satellite. <laughs> Again, very, very uh, sort of tell Donna, but also 
<laughs> definitely relevant today with the fucking the Elon Musk satellite cloud or whatever. <laughs> I don't know if anybody has right. seen the news about that shit, but it's like we're just gonna put a bunch of space junk. Yeah, the and all, like every astronomer in the world fucking rioted at once uh, <laughs> when when that announcement happened. So uh, we'll we'll see if that actually ends up happening or not. Um, but yeah, uh, looking forward to that episode. Uh, as again, thanks for listening. This one was kind of a short one this week. Not not a lot happens really. We say nothing happens a lot on this show, but really on this one, like nothing happens. It's very much like the middle point of an arc, because um, this whole MS MS arc goes on for several episodes, obviously. Yep. So we'll wrap it up at least this arc of it next week, I think, before we actually end up sort of coming down the stretch to the finale of season two. Very exciting stuff. Uh, Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week or next time for another Worst Wing. Bye. Bye-bye. And I'll spend all the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on 